Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. I am delighted to be joined by Cathy. Would you like to introduce yourself, Cathy? I would. My name is Cathy. I'm mum to three children and I teach drama for a living. Yeah. You felt that it was important to share your journey of being the parent of a child with special needs. So that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm just wondering what it was at this point in your life that made you think, actually, I'd really like to share my story. It began with an opportunity that I couldn't take because of work. I was invited as a mother of a disabled child to be with other mothers and explore something with a dance artist, Mm -hmm. yoga and conversation and art. And I couldn't commit because I have to work. And I realised that I had a real longing to go to this event, this six-week course, and I wondered what was I searching for? And I realised... It is to tell my story. So yeah. I think it's about it's about now and no other time other than now, just because everything feels the right time. Yeah. And do you have a sense of what it is about telling your story that feels important? Um, I think an acknowledgement of how far we've come. Yeah. Often in our lives, we're always forward facing, aren't we? Trying to sometimes be in the moment, but always looking forward. And I find it's really useful to maybe just press pause, have a little look back and and acknowledge just how far we have come. Yeah. Uh, We, I say we, Guy, us as a family. And I think it's a really important story. Having known you for a few years now, I can see some travel just in the time that we've known one another. And I'm also really aware that actually the journey of being the parent of children with special needs can feel quite lonely. It can feel quite different. And actually to have some voices out there explaining what that's like, I think is really, really precious. Mm. So I was really keen to hear your story too. So thank you ever so much. Mm. So if we go back to the beginning, you say you have two children who were older than Guy. Correct. Yeah. So how old were they when you started to think about maybe having another child? Yeah, so there's a three-year gap between all of the children. So we became pregnant with Guy at the geriatric age of 39. (laughs) So we'd already had a boy, already had a girl. Sometimes I wonder if I was just a bit greedy, but I just had a calling, a longing, knowing that there was always room for one more at the table, so to speak. And we thought we'd give it until we were 40 and I got pregnant immediately. So I've always felt that our third child guy was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. But things didn't quite work out as you were expecting. So what was the pregnancy like? Quite normal. And people would remark, goodness me, you know, the size of your bump. And I used to take it as a bit of a compliment because I was quite small, but I'm running around after two other children and I felt perfectly well. And it was only in the third trimester that the midwife measured me one day with a tape measure and said, actually, you should be measuring significantly more. We are concerned about your baby's growth. From now to the end of the pregnancy, we're going to offer you extra scans. And because my previous babies were around the eight pound mark, I think they assume that any more children will be the same. So they kept saying, you know, he's going to be, well, I didn't know he was going to be a boy. The baby is going to be small. And I was not allowed a water birth, which was my hope. That's yeah. what I had with the other two. And I was immediately put on high 
high risk. But all of the scans, everything, there was nothing to suggest there was a, a problem, the placenta was doing its job. So I continued the pregnancy without not really knowing anything other than feeling secure that I was being looked at thoroughly. Yeah, so there's a sense of security that people were keeping an eye on things, but not really a sense that there actually might be something wrong. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I do remember the midwife saying that I cannot go a day over my due date. I cannot. Because if I do, there is a very, very high risk of having a stillbirth. Oh, gosh. My other two were all natural. They came when they were good and ready. With Guy, it had to be induced. And they said, we have to do that because of the danger. Yeah. And had they kind of told you what that danger was? That memory is quite blurry now. Uh, it was a very busy time having two little kids as well yeah. in the mix. So I, I no. can't remember is the truth. But I remember being quite frightened by it and thinking, well, okay, I will be induced. I will do what you're saying. Yeah. Is that what happened? And so I was induced, which for anyone who's been induced, it's just not at all natural. Mm -hmm. And then I'm bouncing on a ball and it's all happening very, very quickly. Yeah. So along comes Guy. And is there more that you want to say about the birth? Sure. So I'm bouncing on the ball, an induced uh, labour, and Guy is born in very, very traumatic circumstances. Yeah. We don't know whether we're having a boy or a girl. Guy is... Uh, the crash team are called. Everyone rushes into the room. It's like a scene that you see in a film, except mm -hmm. I'm in the film. Yeah. And uh, our baby was born. I remember the midwife saying, oh, wow, it's a boy. I really thought you were going to have a girl. And... And then listening for that noise of the baby crying and the noise never came and there was up to eight minutes of him not breathing. Oh my goodness. Um, and, you know, I've had lots of gas and air at this point, so it's all, my memory is sharp but blurred at the same time and the baby's whisked away at this point and I remember clutching onto someone's arm, this, this senior doctor, and asking him, tell me, tell me he's going to be okay. And in, in fact, tell me your name. I was even thinking about, my gosh, if you save my baby, I'll name him, who, yeah. whatever your name is. Yeah. You know, um, and he got whisked away. And I then was taken to him in a wheelchair to look at him in an incubator and attempt to breastfeed him. But I was very, very weak at this mm -hmm. point. But by this point, his APGA score was very high. I was able to breastfeed him and he was looking and behaving like a typical newborn baby. And time really just stood still at that moment. And so as he then began to open and flower, as he has, I've taken it a day, a moment at a time, even though I know what's typical because I've had two typically developing children before. Yeah. The horror, which was his birth, I was just grateful that we were taking our child home. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So you're home with Guy, and do you remember when you began to realise that he wasn't growing up in the way that you might have expected? Yeah, so I would sit and I would breastfeed him, and I always remember looking at the shape of his head and feeling like it just felt unusual, but never really knowing how or why. Mm. And he was a he was a good baby, and I was quite a busy mum. And I'd always remember when I'd look at a photograph that someone would take of him, knowing that he wasn't the world's most beautiful baby. 
Mm. He looked a little bit misaligned and he looked a little bit different, but never quite knowing how I felt about that, but loving him because I had him and I was in that bubble. Yeah. And it was only really when the health visitor starts to speak about smiling and other milestones that he was missing that I began to open my eyes ever so slightly. Hmm. But not fully because, you know, I've got a baby and he's and he's home and everything is as you think it's supposed to go. So, yeah, I was a little bit ignorant, really. But I did know. I did know there was something, but I didn't know what. Mm. So was there a moment when you began to understand what was going on with the health professionals who were starting to tell you? Hmm. So Guy would often be taken into hospital numerous times, often in the middle of the night with a viral-induced wheeze, but it would always be quite a panic situation because his throat would be tugging, his stomach would be moving much harder than it needs to, and he'd always need oxygen. Yeah. And we'd go into hospital, and I'll lose count of how many times we did that. And I was always told, you, he's not asthmatic, he's just he's suffering with his chest, he will grow mm. out of it. And it was on one of these visits that the doctor, Dr Williams, noticed the shape of Guy's head and said, as well as treating the bronchiolitis, I'm going to ask for a CT scan because I'm suspecting that your son's head is fused. And it shouldn't be fused, it should be open. The sutures don't fuse until the baby's brain is fully grown. And I thought, well, please let him be wrong. I know he's, I know he's the expert here, but surely. Mm. And lo and behold, he came back and he said, yes, Guy's head is prematurely fused and he's going to need a major operation in Birmingham Children's Hospital. There's only a window of time, an optimum window of time when this can be done. That's that's uh, Guy's next journey. So we're, we're then introduced to the team at Birmingham yeah. who talk us through, I always struggle to pronounce it, but it's called metopic stenosis. It, it's the early fusing of the sutures and... Um, and I'm full of fear and having to drive Guy up the motorway and speak to people. And I'm still almost thinking this can't be right. It, it just mm. can't be right. And I want to learn everything. I want to know about children who've had it before. Yeah. I want to watch YouTube videos, but I can't because the procedure is so brutal. Mm. Uh, and then eventually we get a date for Guy to go and have this operation. And I build myself and I prepare myself and then literally... Two days before he's due to go into Birmingham Children's Hospital, he had one of these bronchiolitis mm -hmm. episodes and he ended up in hospital, but in Stoke Hospital. And no nice. child is going to go under anaesthetic when they are wheezing like he was. So it was cancelled. And I remember thinking, how will I ever re-prepare for this? But Gosh, we did. Yeah. It was yeah. rescheduled and it was rescheduled for uh, the month of November when he was 18 months old. Hmm. And we went to Birmingham and he had this enormous procedure where we were away from him for about six hours. The advice they give you is to just keep yourself busy. And um, when we met the surgeons, when he eventually came out, the surgeons described the procedure as perfect. Yeah. And I put all my faith and trust into the surgeons because, you know, they've got my son's life and my son's head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at a photograph at the moment, which I haven't looked at in a long time, you know, of, of the scar 
And funnily enough, it was, it might have been the end of October, actually. It was the end of October because I remember we had Guy at home after the operation and some children knocked on our door for trick or treat. Mm. And I thought to myself, they will think I've taken a marker pen and done a squiggly, horrible line like Frankenstein over my son's head. That's maybe what they'll think. Mm. Gosh, isn't it funny how you have a memory that's completely locked away? So in that moment of please let this surgery be just perfect, and yes, those are the words that they use, I put all of my faith into God and I felt in that moment that my prayers were answered. Yeah. And yeah. and for that reason, I, you know, I'll never ever turn my back away from my faith because that's what that's what gave me the strength. Yeah. So there was something about that sense that God had been in the midst of that and made sure that the surgery went well. Yeah. 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 There had to be something greater than my husband put his faith in the surgeons and I did as well, but I needed in these moments you, you reach you don't you you reach mm. for what whatever you have and and in the same moment when he was born, I remember that's what I was asking and screaming for in that moment as well. Yeah. To God. Yeah. Were you somebody who prayed and had an active faith before that? Um, a bit watered down, really. I always feel like when the going is hard, that's where I've turned. Yeah. And not necessarily when life is good to sort of remember, really. But that was, Guy's surgery was a turning point. Hmm. And, and my faith has grown since then. And I acknowledge, check in with him when things are going really good as well. I don't want to just have a faith when I ask for things when I need it. I'm very thankful mm. daily for who I am, the life I lead, the the people I have around me. Yeah. So even though your faith wasn't sort of a, a daily practice at that point, there was a strong sense that God was a refuge in the storm, if you like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A place of safety. Yes. Yeah. So what were the days and weeks like after Guy's surgery? Um, I remember speaking to um, a parent actually up at the Willows where my other two children were at the time and she said oh gosh I remember when your son had that surgery she said I remember I remember just seeing fear in your face I remember it was quite interesting her telling me what I looked like um, I felt it felt incredibly protective. I felt like um, probably used to offer far too much information to anyone. Um, I want to justify. I want to tell his story. I want the world to be kind to him. Yeah. I want everyone to to love him, and and also I want to see the potential in him because I've been told that by having this surgery, the development delays which are already going on could be. They could, uh, they could change after this surgery. So I placed a lot of faith and hope into seeing those changes. And yes, the surgery was successful. Guy now has a skull, which is as it is supposed to be. Mm. But we didn't see these miraculous, oh my gosh, he's suddenly talking. Oh my gosh, he's suddenly doing this. Maybe it is there, but it, the trajectory is very, very slow. But I think I was expecting fireworks or something after. Mm. So afterwards, life just continued. He was in nursery at the time and they just were so wonderful with him. And 
we just slowly, slowly continued and it took up to one year for the swelling of Guy's head to finally, finally reduce. Gosh. Mm. And it's at that time he's in nursery when the nursery staff are noticing that he's doing something quite strange with his eyes. And that was the next uh, diagnosis, which turned into epilepsy. Right. So we now know he's epileptic. I'm pleased to say not full epilepsy where he's on the floor convulsing. It was more absences. So both eyes would roll to the back of his head, sort of taking him out of the room and back in the room. Yeah. And then that took us on another road, this time to a hospital in Manchester, where we get that explored diagnosed and medicated. So how old was he at that point? The timeline is a little bit cloudy, but I'm going to say we're about we're about at three to four, yeah. I think, yeah. at that stage. Yeah. And what feels like the next kind of step in your journey after that? I think the next thing is my two children that came before Ben and Lola have gone to mainstream school. I'm a mum and all I know is mainstream. All I've experienced is a little bit of eczema, you know. Yeah. Life is kind of, you know, a bit textbook really. Yeah. So I desperately would like my son Guy to go to the same mainstream school where his brother and sister have gone before. Mm. We will fit in, we will make it work and he belongs there. And I look back at myself now and I can see what I was trying to do. And I would say things like, you know, I've got to I've got to give him the opportunity because if I don't, then how will I ever know? And and who's to say, who can tell me what he can and can't do because we don't know. Yeah. And I placed him there and it wasn't it wasn't straightforward getting a place. The head teacher at the time said to me, if this was my child, I'd want my child. To have a chance and I'll never forget that mm. and 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 he began life and he's mixing with other little four-year-olds and at that age you're only really playing yeah and so it was okay he, he did he did all right it was only really when we went higher into the school so he lasted in the nursery and then reception and then it it just became clear that he doesn't he's not fitting in yeah we're even having to take the register in a corridor. He's not part, really part of the day anymore. Mm. And that's when the conversations turned to special school, of which I held many, many fears. Mm. But by this point, I'd realised that actually his his experience of mainstream school, I'd had, it took me a long, long time to get there, but it wasn't serving him. And also as a mum on the playground, mm. I'm not rubbing shoulders with anyone else who's got a child with needs. No. And so it's compounding how I feel about myself as well. And I'm trying and I just, I'm not fitting. So when I make the decision, not the primary school, when I made the decision that it's time to think about a special school, that is what we did. And we went to explore all the special schools. And before I wanted him to go to mainstream, a special school had been suggested to which I had said, no, thank you. Yeah. We end up going back to look at the said school that was recommended in the first place. And when I walked in that school almost two years later, I realised then in that moment, oh gosh, this this is his school. Of course, this is his school. <laughs> it's just yeah. taken me two years 
to work it out please is there a place yeah there are only two places and the fight comes in me and, and yes we get a place and the head teacher said to me when you walked away two years ago she said i hope you don't don't wait too long because these places oh. are gold dust and many many children are cared for in a mainstream school with a nice budget with someone but the building is wrong everything isn't right about it mm -hmm. So I got there in my own sweet time. So life begins in a special school. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking there's a real compassion, isn't it, in that head to know that she had noticed you and wanted the best for you yeah. and remembered two years later that she had yeah. thought of you in that way. It's really rather beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I'm guessing added or enhanced that sense of, yeah, we're in the right place now. Yeah, very yeah. much. It's interesting when, like, emotion comes up because, yeah, like, yeah, no, it's true. You know, she, in that moment, she she stepped into my shoes, didn't she? She's a mum. Mm. And she thought, what would I do? What would I want? Yeah. And it's about a chance, isn't it? Mm. You know, a chance because who knows? And if I'd gone straight to the special school, then I think I might have always thought, like, you know, who knows? Yeah. And I'm wondering as well if it just takes, it takes that journey oh. to get to the point when you're ready for it. Absolutely. If someone on that journey had stopped me and said, Duck, you know, there's a brilliant special school. Yeah. My son goes, it'd be amazing. My ears at that point, they just weren't ready to hear. They weren't ready to see. Yeah. So absolutely. I just had to, I had to go on that journey yeah and and I got there and no one rushed me and, not, and and in the end the choices that I made were empowered because they were my choices the head teacher didn't say I think we've come to an end I said I can see I can see this isn't working yeah so yeah there are certain parts of a person's journey that unfortunately however uncomfortable you just have to walk it you have to go yeah in order to arrive yes yeah when you were talking about being on the playground, it's just a real sense of loneliness in that, standing there and having nobody who gets it, nobody yeah. who's yeah. in a similar situation. Yeah. Yeah, I remember one man, one parent, I don't think he meant, I don't think he meant anything, didn't mean bad, but I remember one day he just said to me, what's wrong with him? <laughs> and, you know, I, where do you even begin and... I, I, I didn't, I think I was so used to giving people so much information that I thought, no, I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you that information. Because actually, let's look at the wording of that. Mm. There isn't actually anything wrong with him. He's, he's different. Yeah. You know, um, don't get me wrong, there were moments on the playground of, of real warmth. But it's a tricky place the, mm. as a mum. The playground, you know, standing around can be a tricky place if it's not, you know, the reading age of your child or competing with little Johnny or... Yeah. Um, but I think we all want a sense of belonging and that school playground didn't give me that because I can't have the same conversations with my child because no one else's child is, you know, has, has needs to the extent of Guy. Yeah. And you'd had the playground experience with your other two. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Been there, done that, t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. So you had an expectation of what that was going to be like. Yeah. Yeah, true. Moving on, what is life... Don't let me let you miss anything that feels important to tell, though. What feels what feels important to talk about next? I think probably um, his diagnosis of autism. Yeah. Autism is this enormous word which serves as like an umbrella for loads of things to go under it. And it had been mentioned, and I remember I must have been so naive because I remember saying, well, Guy can't possibly be autistic because he makes eye contact. Hmm. And I, hearing myself say that sentence now makes me realise how much I've learnt mm. uh, about it. So the diagnosis came next through CAMS. And I remember I wept and I wept. And then I turned that into, no, this is a diagnosis. Doors are going to open now. And actually, let's get all the cards on the table. You know, we've had his skull operation. We know he has epilepsy. Epilepsy often comes hand in glove with autism, but not always. Yeah. I feel like, you know, a guy at this age is about uh, five or six. I'm really starting to understand now what we're working with. I'm starting to collect all of the pieces of the jigsaw. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so uh, a diagnosis of autism and then me trying to become an expert in autism. That's really what follows. There is a journey in that, isn't there, of both not wanting the, the diagnosis and fearing what people are going to find. But then the other side of it is that it also brings understanding and knowledge. And actually, your child hasn't changed pre-diagnosis and post-diagnosis, but there's both... There's both a sorrow and a gift in it, isn't there? It's yes, that's right. Quite complex. That's right. On that day, your child doesn't actually change, but it's how you how you frame it, really, isn't it? Because, mm. you know, I'd only ever heard negativity associated with autism. Now, with Guy being nine and what I know now, I've reframed it quite differently, actually. Mm. And it was just the unknown. But equally... He was in a buggy at the time. If he was, you know, being quite loud, say we're in a supermarket, I could turn to the person next to me and say, oh, sorry about the noise, you know, he, he's autistic. And you would get you would get more of a knowing look. And it, I felt slightly empowered to be able to give it a name yeah. rather than my son just has, you know, global developmental delay and I don't quite know what's wrong with him, but I know it's something. And it, it just doesn't wash really, does it? So, yeah, mm. it is a gift, but it's also the, the start of a new journey. Yes, absolutely. And not a gift that anybody wants. No. 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 Again, and this is something that I think I have battled with because I am an optimist and I try to have my cup half full. There are times along this journey where I literally just want to say, no, don't like it, don't want mm. it, wouldn't choose it, wouldn't wish it on anyone. But... Because I know I've got to keep going. Sometimes I use this language of yes, but he's not in a wheelchair, and yes, but and do you see? I try and but but yeah, it's nice to acknowledge that um, yeah, it's it's tough and it's hard. That diagnosis is because it's a game changer. Yeah, you know, and with and with that comes regression of early little bits of speech that my son did have that then disappeared for ex for example so mm. yeah but i would i would say the diagnosis propelled us forward yeah it did it moved us forward knowledge is power isn't it it is it really is and 
then I'm, I'm energised reading about it, finding out about it. Did you know? Blah, blah, blah. And it, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm hungry to learn and to want to understand um, as much as I possibly can. Mm. There is a great love and serving of your son in that, isn't there? In that wanting to know and learn and support him and be all that you can for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what comes next in your story, Cathy? Probably life within a special school. Yeah. Which uh, is a very happy life. Aromatherapy, foot massaging, <laughs> swimming, trampolining, yeah. beautiful members of staff, people who are really starting to learn and get to know my son, guy maybe making a friend, hmm. being invited to a party, and the joy, being invited to a nativity and seeing him as an angel or dressed up as a chicken. The joy, the joy of all of that and then being able to measure his success and his ability to learn Makaton. You know, I'll never forget we went to a parents' evening without Guy and the teacher said, oh yes, he can sign his name. What? Pardon? <laughs> he can sign his name? No way. You know, and, and all right, language isn't coming. Mm. Speech isn't coming, which, you know, is something that we as a family have all longed for, but, but he's trying to communicate in other ways and all of these teachers here are equipped for mm. that and... Guy builds fantastic relationships, particularly with adults. And then it's a coffee morning and I'm allowed to go and meet other mums and share stories. And then COVID came along. Yeah. And that really, I really felt like this coffee morning and I was really at the heart of that, I was making friends. And it was my uh, fortnightly sort of check-in. I did, yeah. I loved it. And then the world changed really for everybody. Yeah. That coffee morning's never come back. And mm. yeah. And Guy goes on a bus, comes back on a bus, and you are a little bit at arm's length, but I have an amazing relationship with the bus driver and the chaperone, and they're mm. my link. Yeah. And brilliant communication with the school. It's a happy place. And I see the life of my other two typically developing children and actually. I realised that, wow, how lucky you are, Guy. You don't have a mobile phone, for example, mm -hmm. yeah. and all of the things that can happen on a mobile phone, positive and negative and, you know, bullying or what people think. And, you know, Guy is happy in Guy's world, and I've come to realise that actually Guy's world is pretty good. <laughs> it's a nice place to be. It's a yeah. nice it's a nice place and it's a place that I need to visit. I need to go to his world and not expect him all the time to come into ours and do what we do. Yeah. There is a real cost to that for you as a family, isn't there? Because your life and your world as a family has particular things in it and particular ambitions and things that you want to do. And actually Guy's world is quite different to that and so you're in this place aren't you of trying to accommodate two quite different worlds in your family correct yeah and that shows itself when you try and book a holiday for example or yeah. something as simple as just trying to go out of the front door yeah you are met with challenges all the time mm. but i'm raising two of the children who are leading their lives as well but again maybe i'm on the, the cup half full but Guy leads a full life. We're not sitting here, 
you know, within the four walls. Sometimes he has no choice other than to just to move along with the ebb of our family flow. But yes, there are compromises. There are a way of leading your life differently. Yeah. And there are moments when those compromises are really painful. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, one of the reasons why I don't look too much into social media. Mm. I feel very honest saying that. I sometimes feel I have to just stay in my lane, yeah. look in my garden and keep going because I'm doing okay. And sometimes it's very easy to look elsewhere and see spontaneity and opportunities and, and possibly things that I can't do. Mm. But I can do lots and lots of things in my life. I just have to make a little bit of a master plan along the way. Yeah, and so I've come to realise that I can make things work. It's just a slightly more long-winded approach. Mm. And I can have many, many things in my life that bring me joy. Yeah, tricky one, that. Mm. It's a really healthy way of looking at it, isn't it? Kind of, I'm going to stay in my lane and appreciate what's in my world. And there is something self-protective, isn't there, about not doing too much looking at social media and what's happening in other people's mm. lives. Mm. That's sometimes difficult not to do that. No, I think I've... I think You've I've, got it. Yeah, I think I have. I think I have. Try and live a little bit in the, in the now and try and think mm. about what, you know, what is important and the journey that we are on as a family unit yeah and keep moving moving forward and yes we might do things differently than that family but this is this is our normal this yes. is what we do this is what works for us and how my other two children ha have impacted and how that has turned them into the people that they are mm. what do you see in them that you think you might not see were it not for guy mm. So many things that I feel very, very proud of. So mm. them looking at anyone who is different or disabled and looking at it in and um, celebrating it, really. Yeah. I remember Ben once saw a boy in a wheelchair and he said, I, I really want to go up and say hi. Well, go for it, go and say hi. And I thought to myself, mm. I wonder why he wants to do that. And then I realised he wanted the boy to let him know that he sees him. Yes. Yeah. And it's that compassion, it's things that you can't learn in a school behind a desk. You have yeah. to have lived through things. So they are, they're very, they're kind, compassionate children with high levels of tolerance and patience as well because they've had to tolerate some of the things that we have had to work through as a family. Mm. Uh, some patience of waiting and no, we can't do it that way because we've got to do this and, and, and sharing their mum as well and sharing their mum and not sharing her equally mm -hmm. and they know that because I don't give thirds to each of them because I can't yeah guy needs more of me so how does that impact a child so there's I like to think that when they're out there in the big wide world and they one day have a job they will have their CVs of their qualifications, but they're going to have a, a whole host of other fantastic qualities which Guy, Guy will have developed within them. Mm. And I feel very proud. Yeah. So there's an emotional maturity that you can see in them that you don't see in their peers. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Emotional maturity, emotional intelligence. Yeah. 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 So thank you, Guy. <laughs> yes.
You said that you feel you need to visit Guy's World. So what is what is it that you want to visit in Guy's World? What is it that you yeah, so, like in that? You know, so for example, we could be in the bath together and I make a silly noise and it makes him laugh. Hmm. And so I might do it over and over again. And and in the end, I'm not, I'm not even sure what we're laughing at. I'm just laughing at him laughing or he's engaging with something on the TV and it's just ridiculous. And it's just meeting him where he is. Yeah. And trying to understand things from his point of view and just sitting with him. Out of the five senses, he absolutely loves touch. So he'd quite happily let you touch his feet and mm. just quietly just being with him, not not rushing. And and if he's interested in his tiny little, you know, he's got his little counters and his little blocks, you know, feeling what they feel like. What, what What's the fascination here? Trying to almost mirror what he's doing. Yeah. Rather than getting him to change to be like us. Yes. Because there's value in him and what he does. So let's see, what's, uh, let's have a look and mm. see what your world is like. Yes. And if you want connection, you have to step into his world, don't you? Yeah. So he might make one of his high-pitched noises. Well, I might, might make that noise as well. We're yeah. having a conversation, you know? So yeah. it's, it's about sort of giving respect, I guess, to what he brings and what he offers mm. in terms of how he operates and communicates. So I think that's what I meant by stepping into his world. Let's be there mm. and, and see what it's like. And like I say, it's, it's quite a nice place to be. Yeah. It sounds like quite a now place to be in terms of sort of being in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and quite mindful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So one sort of glance from Guy, you know, there are no words. And yet the way he looks so deeply into my eyes and I, the connection and how he looks at mm. me and, and dad and his brother and sisters and even the doggies and grandparents, he's... Yeah, it's a lot. There is a lot going on within him. Mm. A lot. Um, but we have to go finding. We have to pull things out. We have to draw things out of him. And we have to push him as well. Or we have to push all ourselves, don't we? Otherwise, mm. our comfort zone, nothing exciting is going to happen there. So, you know, we've put Guy on a 70 mile per hour zip wire. We've taken him disability surfing, strapped him to a surfboard. We've we've done stuff to try and just push him, push him to to reach the potential that is within him. Yeah. And to experience the world. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what did you think of the zip wire? Um It was <laughs> horrifying. I he was strapped on and complete with goggles. Mm. He's on a line of his own. He's not strapped to another adult. And he's whizzing down at 70 miles per hour. I mean, you know, I'm not a risk taker. So to put my faith into the lady who was in charge of us that day, and she gave me she gave me the strength. You've got mm. this. You can do this. Yeah. You can. She said, there's many, many children who've come here with needs who've done this. Mm. And, you know, it took a huge leap of faith. And Ben was very, very nervous and very upset. But we did it, mm. and we got to the end, and Guy signed more. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. a massive, a massive thing that we did that day. I'll never, ever forget that. Yeah. Oh, well done. Courageous risk to take and, yeah. and trusting your own judgment that this was going to be a good thing. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
So he's physically quite adventurous than your guy. Yes, he's physically physically very mobile and physically able-bodied. We did have a period of time where we owned a wheelchair, but it's yeah. now in the garage gathering dust. Mm. Don't like it. So it's difficult to get Guy to walk from A to B unless he knows where he's going. Yeah. So if I were to say to him, Guy, should we go swimming? The chances are he would walk to the car. Mm. Guy, should we go to Aldi? Well, no, he's not. So he's mobile, but he has to be motivated to know where he's going. Yeah. But yeah, he can run, he can jump, he can pick up a ball, he can bounce on a trampoline. He's got a fantastic body. Yeah, which is which is amazing. And he's up for a zip line. And he's up for a zip line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so does he do roller coasters? Have you not explored that? Yeah, only once. We've got Fast Track to Alton Towers, and even Fast Track does involve, you know, just the process yeah. of getting in Alton Towers is quite an ordeal. Yes. But once we were on it, yes, he did quite hmm. like it. And there's an in-the-night garden ride, which was very magical. Yeah. But the trade-off for that little two or three minutes on a ride, uh, there's a lot of in-between yeah. time, so it's not something I'm racing back to do. But it's there. It's there for the yeah. taking, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you say that being Guy's mum has changed you? I am a different person mm. because of him. I see the world differently. I think disabled people and people who are different, of course, they have always been there. But now I, I definitely see the world through different eyes. Mm. I see people and a bit like Ben, I see them and I more than see them, I want to acknowledge them. Yeah. I want to smile, I want to connect, I want to make them know that I see them. I work in a special school and I feel that I'm able to reach the children on a slightly different level because I'm both teaching them and obviously I'm living my own experience as a mum. I'm very tolerant. I've, he's taught me tolerance. He's taught me that difference isn't necessarily a bad thing or a scary thing mm. he shaped me into who i am i've met people along the way that i never would have met were it not for guy as well mm. we probably wouldn't have got our dog were it not for guy there's so much enrichment that has come because of him so i i'm changed I can't remember how many years it is since we first met, but I would say that you're more centred and grounded and settled and peaceful now than you were then. And I'm wondering what has enabled you to get to that more peaceful place. Mm. I think it's a combination of allowing Guy to open up like a flower yeah, and to see that he can walk and he's not tripping up and he's safe. Mm. And actually when other eyes are looking after him, he doesn't come to any harm and yeah. this is okay. And just that I I am a bit of a helicopter mum, but bit by bit, slowly, slowly, I'm just letting him go, taking risks. Mm. Yeah, ju ju again, we're back on the journey. It's just, yeah. it's why do I appear like I am more centred and grounded in the things that you describe? I think because I've travelled along the road. Yeah. That's that's the real answer. Because I've done nine years. Yeah. And I'm starting, I can honestly say, starting to relax a little bit. Hmm. It's just starting to relax. And I think Guy's very much like a mirror as well. So I think when he sees me relaxed, I, I think we have a bit of an energy with one another where he mirrors how I feel. So it's good. It's good for me to relax and, you know, allow other people to help me as well. 
Yes. Yeah. So that was harder to do mm. a few years ago. Yeah, the days when we first met, mm. like you say, quite a few years ago, you know, oh, I, I, I must do that. I, you, you won't understand him. You will let me. So, yeah, letting people. Mm. And people want to. Yes. And yeah. I'm blessed that I have kind, amazing, caring, compassionate people in my life who mm. who want to know Guy, get to know Guy and be part of his life. And that's what I love when a friend not only sees me, but they see what is part of me, yes. which is which is the rest of my family. Yeah. Wasn't an overnight thing getting to this place. No. I would notice that you're less exhausted than you were. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's because of the self-care that I now yeah. probably have weaved in. So I believe that movement is like medicine. Mm. I'm not, you know... I'm not like a fitness guru or anything, but I do prioritise exercise. Yeah. And and that serves me very, very well because then that strengthens my mental health, mm. my mood. Yeah. And it makes me a better mum. And I will go and have a weekend away. I have had three nights in Spain with my best friend. I'm allowed and yes. I can and I have and I will and I will continue to. Yeah. And I also want to make lots of really beautiful future plans with my husband as well mm. because over the past nine years we have agreed that we have channeled probably all of our energy we married life began being pregnant mm. so you know we've put all of our energy into our three children and we've raised these three beautiful children and actually I would like some lovely time with him. Yes. So you yeah. mentioned, you know, self-care and looking relaxed and not so exhausted. I think it's because in order to, to sort of sail this ship and be at the helm of the ship, I have to look after myself. Yeah, and I will look after myself and I deserve to. Absolutely. And no one wants an exhausted mum. So actually when I take a break, good. Everyone yes. else benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone else benefits from me being in a better mood. And this is not a short journey. It's a long one. So you have to be able to sustain yourself along the way in order to thrive. And and, and in order to be yeah. Guy's mum for the rest of mm. my life. Yeah. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah. Yeah. To the one that you will be for your other two children. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think much about the future? Um, I can honestly say no. I am mm. a you know I can potentially tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't I don't know. I don't think I never really plan too far ahead, mm. and I think that's okay. Yeah. So I'm not looking too far into the future and applying any worry mm. because today has enough worries. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, today's got enough. And so, no, I don't have dark thoughts. I don't think, oh, my gosh, when is, when is this age or what will I do? And not really, not no. really. Just get through, you know, yeah. what, half term's approaching. I'll conquer that. That's my next thing. Yeah. No, day at a time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very wise. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could go back... And have a conversation with the slightly younger you at the beginning of this journey. I wonder what you might say. Wow. It's, it's such an incredible question to be asked. Crikey. What would I say? What would I say? I would just look her in the eye and hold her hand. Hmm. And um, just take each day as it comes meet the people that you're supposed to meet 
take all the advice and listen to the, all of the advice, but then do what you think. Yeah. Listen to your intuition. That'll be my guide. Mm. Um, people will come in your life. People will go. But hang on to the people that are your mainstay people and to have trust in your child. Yeah. That he'll guide you. He will show me. I found that question quite quite difficult to answer and I think one of the reasons it makes me emotional is because of the kindness and the compassion that I know I would show to your younger self yeah absolutely I would I would I'd really be so kind yeah I'd say you know it's okay yeah none of us know what the future holds no one and I'm always full of hope I'm always full of who knows? Mm. So I can't meet her. I can't go back. But um, I'd also say to her, well done. Yeah. Are there things that you would say to other people booking this kind of journey? Quite often, if I meet another mum of a disabled child, I often say, you know, what helps you? What 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 gets you through? What I, I ask it to everyone. And I've had yeah. some, you know, interesting answers. Some a bottle of wine, a bit of chocolate, shut the door. You know, that everyone's is different, really. Mm. So... I would, I almost wish I'd had someone like me at the time to yeah. be my friend. Yeah. And I think it was making friends with those beautiful mums at the special mm. school. Yeah. That was a pivotal point that really helped. So I think no matter what you're going through in life, to find your tribe, to be with other people who are walking in your shoes, that's got mm. to be it. That's got to be for me when I started to just feel quite different about my story, really. Yeah. So, so yeah, make sure you've got people in your life who who understand you by however means in the vast world that we live now, either physically being with someone or even, you know, on social media. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I had that person until it came a bit later in my journey. Yeah. I wonder if that person had been there, whether my ears would have been open. I, I, mm. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So there would be something you'd want to say to people walking this kind of journey, something about finding your tribe. Yeah. Which I, I just have this image of the difference between the coffee morning and the camaraderie and those experiences of absolutely not being in your tribe, the kind of the school playground sort of experience. And, and there is, they're just day and night, aren't they? Yeah. And that thing about notice what it is that sustains you yes. and embrace it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you do drama. I do. Alongside being Guy's mum, which I'm wondering what else gives you gives you life and joy. How do you like to express yourself? I enjoy being a mum. I do yeah. enjoy being a mum. Being there for my children, however they need me. And, mm. and, and I feel like my role as a mum is forever changing. Yeah. The challenges coming in all of the time. Yeah, I love to go to the theatre. I love to go to the cinema. I enjoy walking. Mm. I love going to a spa. You know, I love to cook a nice meal quite like being on my own. I like my own company. I like being with friends. I like exercising. And, you know, they're, they're just some things off the top of my head that mm. are lovely things to do. And and it is like putting on different hats because I get, get to go out and do my job. Yes, yeah. Um, but I get to do my job and I am Guy's mum. Mm. So I, 
I have those eyes, all of the things that he's taught me that I can then ap apply to who I am. And I've definitely seen that empathy that you have and that ability to embrace and walk alongside difference in your role in, in kind of the drama clubs that you run, for example. Yeah. You know, I've, I've really seen that and the, the huge value of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so vital, isn't it? Because mm. I think children look to you as an adult to see how you behave to someone else. Yeah. And we model that, don't we? Mm. I love that side of my job. I'm, I feel very, very passionately about inclusion mm. and children fit, coming together and valuing and supporting one another Yeah, really strongly, actually. And um, what better way to do it than creatively, where there's no mm. right or wrong, yes. but a child can just express themselves, be themselves, be joyful, and we can all come together. And there can be different ages and stages. And, mm. uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, and there's a real resonance of that. There is no right or wrong. There is something good in all of it that really resonates throughout your story. Things didn't work out as you expected, mm -hmm. but that kind of coming to terms with the fact that what it is, mm -hmm. is what it is, and it's okay, and it's good. Mm. See what you did there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is. There is a coming to terms. Sometimes I wonder if I just got one foot in acceptance or both, but I think I I think I've got two now. I think yeah. I have arrived. Yeah. I think I've had to be shoved. Hmm. I don't think I've gone there, you know, willingly. But I have arrived now and I'm raising my son who leads a quite a cushioned, beautiful, happy life in a, an amazing school with parents, with siblings, with grandparents, a dog. And we, my husband and myself, we we sort of cushion that by, we take the expense of that. Oh, I wish I could have phrased it a little bit better, but we help make Guy's life, all of those things. Yeah, yeah. But you say you take the expense of that. It's not It's not cost-free, creating that buffer. Yep, there you have. Creating that yeah, world. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It isn't cost-free. No. It takes a lot of strength, actually, to deliberately walk into that place where you're saying, okay, this is my life. I'm embracing it. I'm not looking over the fence at other people's. I will put down the things that can't fit that I might have liked to have carried. But, you know, we'll put those things down and we will be in our lane and we will absolutely make the best of it. And if you can do that, then I think you've nailed it, really. Hmm. And I, I find that inspiring. I find you inspiring. Hmm. Thank you very much. It means that means a lot, and it. I would also like to say thank you to you because to have this opportunity to sit and talk about the journey that has been raising my children. I've never, never sat and done this, and I'll treasure this conversation. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course, or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening. <laughs>